It's time for Tom Girl with JJ Jurgens. A different breed. Hey guys, welcome to Tom Girl, where we talk all things sports, entertainment, fashion, and adventure. Joining us on this episode is actor, writer, director, and content creator Gio Santini. He's going to be talking with us about his current film, After the Rain, his journey as a filmmaker and content creator, and giving tips on how you can get out there and create your own content. Welcome, Gio. Thanks for coming. Oh, man. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, miss. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited. Well, let's start out by just talking about you know your journey and your professional journey, how you even as, as a young kid got interested in creating content and filmmaking um i as a young kid i probably just because i love movies so that that's how i started as a young kid just the love and love of movies so um my first indulgement into i mean i i guess as a kid i just loved going to the theater the darkness of it you know what i mean obviously it was different than now um because before going to the theater was more of an event and that's what I felt like it was and getting in there being able to be with the popcorn doing it every weekend so and just seeing some of the most amazing movies on the big screen it was it was it called me and it was just something I knew that I just wanted to be in that world to be in that fantasy it was it was a cool fantasy so that I think and a kid I always knew I wanted to work in them I just didn't know exactly how and then as I grew up you know, I f fell in love with music. So music, I actually was like, all right, you know what? I'm actually going to do music as a career. And um, I started working in recording studios and working with different music artists. And from there, again, I got introduced to film and through the music video side. And I was like, okay, this is where I want to be. I want to marry music and film together. And But more importantly, I want to make films. You know what I mean? There was something beautiful about it. So it was like, that's how it kind of just came to be. And then what was your next step? Did you go to, you know, classes, just start making stuff on your own? So I didn't, I, you know, I didn't know much. I, I, I didn't know what to do, but I knew I wanted to work in entertainment. And mainly, like I said, at that time of music. So when I was in school, um, when I was probably around 14, 15 years old, I bought turntables. And I took that money that I had at turntables and I started making my own mixtapes and started making music. And then that turned into, you know, just listening to all the artists that I grew up when, you know, with Mob Deep and Nas and all those hip hop artists. And then I started making beats. And then from those mm -hmm. beats, it took me to a situation when I got out of high school, you know what I'm saying? It was like, what are you gonna do with your life? And I was like, all right, I'm gonna go to recording school. So I went to a recording school out in Long Island. Um, right outside of where I came from, Queens, so right on Long Island, and um, I started, I started there. I started making music, and again from there is where I was introduced to the video medium, which turned into a film medium for me. And then I just like you know I, I started loving it all. And again, my dream passion was always to make music films, and just the marrying. That's why I just I I indulge with just like cinematic shots and score it's just one of the mm -hmm. most beautiful things for me mm -hmm. and blending the two of them um, blending together. it together yeah. and then how, how they work or how music can just make a shot so sexy or how it can create a mood or just playing with the different elements it's just it's it's fun you, how you can just make one shot say 17 different things depending on the music mm -hmm. and, and the audio that you put back behind them so it's like it's it's incredible so you started producing some things out on the East Coast first, right, before making your move out here? 
I started, I started, so the way I started, so I, I've met a, so with the friends and affiliations I had, you know, growing up and making music, I walked into, it was a weird story, I walked into a studio one day, and it was like this guy was showing me a commercial that he did, and again, that was the love, like when I saw, it was the way he had his shots moving towards this music that he was doing, and I was like, yo, I want to do that, I want to direct. So he was like, all right. And then he introduced me to this artist who was, you know, he was uh, popping in Jamaica. He was he was doing really good things in Jamaica. And he was like, yo, why don't you do his music video? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, we'll do it this weekend. And that's the first time I did a music video. I was like 17, 18 years old. I had no idea. I mean, I remember them just handing me the budget and cash. I was like, yo, is this good enough? I'm like, yeah, that's good enough. And then just walking into a grid place. I was like, yo, I want the thing that, that looks like a train, you know what I'm saying, that grows on <laughs> tracks, you know what I mean? I didn't even know it was a dolly. I got a bunch of equipment, didn't know what to do with it. Hired some dude from NYU, like, that was... And basically, we just did this first music video, which ended up being a hit in Jamaica. And then I did a couple of videos for them, and that's how I got into the music video world. And then from there, you know, it was just like, that's how I discovered film, from the music video world. What was the steps when you so you had a few days to pull that together to do that first shoot? It was a was mo- it was like- a Monday. It was a Monday that we had that conversation. <laughs> we were shooting Friday, and wow. it was like it was cool because they really didn't. It was just like they wanted to do a video, and it was sometimes these perfect opportunities where there's not a lot riding on the line. There's not a lot of expectations, but through that you get to learn a lot. So that's what was really good for me. Like I'm just thinking back about it. It was like <laughs> it was just amazing, like the craziness, and so amateur was back then but you know it, it, it taught you something and then what it taught me I think what was the biggest most interesting aspect for me was like I really love doing this and this is what I want to do forever and I think that was the best lesson and it was if not necessarily doing this but doing this along these lines you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying if it wasn't just doing music videos but being able to film create having music involved all these elements and again that's what when you you make a film you have all these elements you get to work you're not only working on a picture and you're editing you're working on a story now you're only working on cinematography then you're there's a point where you're working on the score you're working on the sound you're working on sound effects like there's so many elements and you see how every one of these elements and every person that you work with contributes and how their contributions is like makes your project even better and it's like whoa you know mm-hmm. and then when you look back at it like whoa we created this mm-hmm. you know from going from you know not knowing what a dolly was and learning things was a lot of it for you just trial and error and getting out there and like, yeah. yeah it was all trial and error it was you know you you go out there there's not there's no like film school than like doing it you know what i mean and it's like if i had more time if you know everybody has this if you go back and they're like, would you, you know, would you go back to film school? I probably would. I'd probably go to NYU. Like that was one of the schools I wanted to go to. Um, it just didn't work out that I, w- I had the opportunity to go to or didn't really pursue it. But at the same time, it's like there is. And again, like now there's so many tools available to you. I mean, you can make a film on your iPhone. I mean, you know, what I mean, it's like there's so many tools available for you to play with. But you know, there's something about learning where something comes from, like the, the the science of film, the science of lighting, the science of photography, the science of acting. You know what I'm saying? When you mm-hmm. learn those things and you really hone on your craft, then it just becomes more amazing. So I, I really I feel like that was my beginning and like doing it and playing with. 
But then when I moved out to L.A. was like when I really started really learning the film business. Like I learned production a little bit there or that's what I wanted to do and learning like what things were, you know, shooting music videos, learning kind of that, uh, you know, set etiquette and and what things are called and kind of your filters, your lenses, X, Y and Z. But the film business, I think I learned out here in L.A. Mm -hmm. Tell me about your decision to leave the East Coast and move out here and pursue your dreams. How was that transition? It was cold. It was really, really <laughs> cold. Um, nah, it was, you know, it was it was a time where, like, the strikes were happening. It was a time where, like, nothing was really, things were changing in New York. And there was a lot of production that not really happening in New York. And, you know, it, it was always this thing, like, I wanted to... I never, I wanted to make films in New York. I never thought, I was the guy who was like, yo, I'm staying on the East Coast. I'm staying in New York. I'm staying here all my life. You know what I'm saying? I want to, I want to, I just had that embedded in me. And um, I came out to LA. I had a friend who worked in the music business actually. And she was at Jive Records and she's like, I'm coming out here for an event. And I was like, oh, can I come and check it out? So she actually was our tour guide. Um, my friend Yahira, and she took me and my friend Gino, who was also, he was a PA at the time on music videos, and we were like, yo, let's check out LA, and we came, and it was like, you know, you go to Santa Monica, uh, it was like my first big film watching at the Arclight, mm -hmm. it was like, that whole experience was just like, wow, this is kind of amazing, but it felt unreal, and I was like, especially coming from where I came from, I was like, yeah, this is kind of more fantasy, these people aren't like me, it, you know, it was a different culture shock. And then, you know, it was like, you know what? And what I realized out of that was that was just an excuse. That was just fear talking. I was like, no, why don't, no, go out there, try it, you know? And it was tough. You know, you fall on your face a bunch of times. I didn't know anything. I mean, I, I left all my comforts of home, the comforts of knowing everybody from every block and corner, going to different sections of the city and always knowing somebody from there, knowing how to move around to coming to this land and relearning everything and relearning the culture, relearning how to how to navigate here, learning how there's a huge film business and what that means out here. So it was it was interesting. So then what were some of the first projects that you got going and took off when you were here and settled and, and ready to well, start pursuing? So it was funny. So I got here and, you know, the way I got here was um I told my family, like, look, I'm, I'm moving to L.A., which was kind of last minute. The, the, um, I told my mom, and the thing was, like, um, me and my mom had a very interesting relationship. We were very close, but she was the only one I could really, like, have a heart-to-heart -heart conversation. I come from a family, like, people don't really talk. Like, my father wasn't, you know, he, they're not, you know, their advice is you work, you do your thing, whatever. My mom was, like, you know, she was more worldly. She was, you know, she was really brilliant. And at one point I told her I'm not happy. And she's like, well, what would make you happy? And I was like, doing these things. And she's like, then do them. And I'm like, yeah, but the opportunity. She's like, then where's the opportunities at? And um, I was like, I think L.A., I don't know, you know. And I didn't. And she was like, she, she's like, well, go. What are you scared of? She's like, you know, now we have these phones. You can FaceTime. You can, you know I me. Mean? You can be connect. The world's connected. What's the problem? So I was like, you know, you're right. And um, so it just happened that week. I ended up booking a music video for Universal Records for an artist they had in Miami. Went, did the job. It was, it was one of the first jobs that I did in HD. Like, I was shooting film constantly. Uh, and that was my thing. I was like, I wanted to shoot. If it wasn't shooting film, I didn't want to do these HD cameras. I, I never wanted to do it. And it was one of my big projects that we did in HD. We shot it in uh, Miami. It was fun. It was a great experience. 
And it was kind of sad because I was like, all right, now I know I'm not going back to New York. I got to move back. So I went back to New York and I knew I took whatever money I made from that video, uh, put my car up at on a called without not letting nobody, not even telling anybody, took my car, rent, what what's the, the freighter, like a, a, a freighter company mm-hmm. to basically ship the car out. I called them up, went, dropped the car off, mm-hmm. freighted the car without even telling my father. My father was like, yo, where's your car? I was like, oh, I sent it to California. He's like, what? <laughs> and I was like, by the way, I'm moving to California. Aww. So, um, yeah, so it was like, and I moved out here. So like it was, when I got out here, the funny part about it was to answer your question while wow, I got off on a tangent, but uh, to answer your question, it was, I had no money. You know what I mean? And this girl was like, I met this girl at a coffee shop who was like, well, why don't you start? I was like, I need a job. And she's like, well, I was like, and I, I needed to be filming. Really. She said, why don't you do extra work? So there was, I, she gave me the number of this extra agency that was in Sherman Oaks on Ventura Boulevard, went there, met with them like, yeah, yeah, you got a great look, took a picture. And they're like, all right, we'll have you working tomorrow. I'm like, what? And I ended up doing my first extra job was for a movie called Herbie F- Reloaded or something uh-huh. like that. That was my extra. Lindsay Lohan, wasn't Liz- it? Well, here's the funny part. So I get on that film and then one of the ADs pulls me aside. He says, yo, I'm going to bump. I'm going to give you a bump. And I'm like, what? And I didn't know what that meant. He's like, He's like I'm going to give you a bump. And I was like, I was like, yeah. and it was like, like people were like, yo, you're getting bumped up. And I'm like, I'm like, why is everybody so excited? And then I, when when I was told what it was, I was like, I was really not understanding why people was excited because you just get bumped up. So basically, they made me take these pictures with Lindsay's, and it was not that I took pictures with her. They were I was playing her uncle in the 1970s in a picture frames, and they gave me like twenty five dollars more for each day. And I was like, that's your excitement. Everybody got excited for twenty five dollars. But in that scenario, that day I met this kid who basically was another guy from Boston. It was a guy from Boston who came out and was like, yeah, I'm going to do films. I got this short. And we started talking. And sure enough, um, I ended up meeting up with him. He ended up not living too far from where I was living. I was living in Culver City. He was in Gardena, which was not too far. And uh, we linked up. And he's like, yeah, I want to do this film, blah, blah, blah. And on that same week, which happened pretty quickly, um, I put out an ad. I was like, yo, film director from New York, um, music video, looking for a music video agency. And I get a call and I go to a CNN building, the penthouse floor. And there was a company called Propaganda that had just mm-hmm. that had just went out of business and was going to be turned into anonymous content. And half of the people were leaving. And this was a lady that was running that division. She was like, well, I'm starting a whole small music video division. She's like, why don't you stay here? And I was like, so I get signed. And as I get signed, they put my reel together from the music videos I shot in New York. And literally one of the guys comes up to me. He's like, yo, forget this music video shit. He said it to me just like that directly. He was like, he's like, you need to be doing films. I was like, yeah, I want to do films. So I was like, yo, do a short. So I was like, all right, let me do a short. He's like, well, if you find a script, he's like, he's like, I'll help you do it. He's like, I'll help you put the crew. I'll help you put it all together. So I was like, this is great. So literally, I called the kid who I talked to who said he had, and I explained him the situation. He's like, yeah, I got this script. And I'm like, all right. He's So he's like, I got this this play that would be perfect for short. So he brings it to me. I read it. I like it. I go to the producer. And I'm like, hey, I got the script. Let's make the short. And he's like, well, how are you going to do it? And I was like, well, you said you were going to help me. <laughs> 
And he was like, and he was like, yeah, but you know that how much that costs, and this, and it was just completely a whole different style. I was like, yeah, but you were the one who suggested all this. All right, you know what? And I was like, screw it. And I called the kid. I was like, yeah, let's just do it ourselves. Oh. And literally, he put up some money that he had in his savings, and we did this short, which was called Partners, and we did it. It went to the Palm Springs Film Festival, and it went to a couple of other film festivals. And in some of those film festivals, we met a group. And they're like, yeah, it's a cool idea. And I pitched them. I was like, let's make it a feature. And they're like, okay. And they were like, you make it a feature, we'll finance it. It was weird because I'm like about 25 at this time, 24, 25, 20, no, 24. So I, yeah, I was like, all right. So, you know, you, you strike your naiveness. And sure enough, like we go and we find this writer, this girl named Christine Conrad. She writes a ton of movies now. She wrote, she wrote like over 50 Lifetime movies. And at that time she was starting, but she had a, a decent resume. My friend's like, I met her. She's a writer. She said, if we never need help. And she's like, I was like, if you can adapt this screenplay, I'll bring you a check and we'll make this movie. And, and she, I think she just thought we were nice and she just thought the whole idea was cute. And she was like, all right, whatever. She just... She was like, whatever, I'll do it and adapt it for you just as practice. So sure enough, she does it. We, I go back to these guys and they're like, well, what do you need? I was like, well, I need to buy the script from the writer. So I need to give her a check for $25,000. Then I need to be signed and touch. And I literally make this deal and I call her like the week later. I was like, hey, I got a check for you for $25,000 for your script. She's like, what? <laughs> and that's how my Made first day, feature, yeah. that's how my first feature started. Wow, that's yeah. great. I love how you stick with it, you know, yeah. and make things happen. Then how did that lead into another film you worked on was Hotel California? Well, that's, that's that turned into Hotel California. Oh, then it became so that, the right. Short, the short became into Hotel California. So that's basically that. And then that movie, then, you know, Paradigm started packaging it, and it just snowballed, and, it, you know, we released it in 2010. Wow. Um, and then let's talk about, so how does this now evolve into you coming up with After the Rain? Um, well, it's a long time, but from, from Hotel California, I went into the series started really popping off. I started getting into series. So I wanted to make a series. And then I started getting into comedy, the comedy situation I got into after my mom passed away. It was like a really sad time in my life. So basically what I ended up doing was I found comedy as a way of, of coping and because of comedy, I ended up writing a series called Geo's Pizza. And with that, I was like, you know what? It was fun and it was healing and it was great to laugh and, and just do this silly material. So I created a group called Wise Guys uh, Comedy. We ended up developing a bunch of YouTube, social media. It was successful for a long period of time. And even Geo's Pizza, we came out as a, as we did it as a series. We had Karen Sanji on it, who's in Deadpool now he's the he's the taxi driver in Deadpool he's been in a bunch of movies uh he's got to deal with Marvel and from there we ended up we ended up landing a series with Amazon called Borderline and through all these experiences social media and the pranking and being in that world and in, you know working with other YouTubers and then getting into a situation where again going back to the roots where I loved music I loved hip hop I started seeing how the music industry started changing and from there and seeing the birth of the SoundCloud rappers and the instant success, the whole idea was like, yo, this would be an interesting um, 
basically character experiment. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? A character mm-hmm. study. So I kind of started studying them, and I was like, yo, the way these guys move, and it's interesting, it's genius, it's silly, it's crazy, it's dangerous. So I was like, there's something needs to be here. So I created from all the years of working with different people from, I mean, amazing different characters. You know, I ca- and also some of these SoundCloud personalities. I I created this little Tito character, and that ended up being what developed into. I thought I originally was going to make it into a web series or something different, and it just eventually turned into a feature film. For those people who haven't had a chance to see After the Rain yet, give them a little synopsis of of what it's about. After the Rain <laughs> is is a satire mockumentary style comedy that's uh, kind of interesting that has a twist at the end about a, a young YouTuber turned hardcore rapper. Basically a YouTuber who just takes his jokes too far lands himself in jail and because of his fame comes back out of jail and says he's going to be decides he's going to be a hardcore rapper and it is hilarious just to see him create this whole persona and has to go into it and he gets deeper and deeper and he does these crazy pranks and deals with these crazy things and he's just always trying it it becomes a movie about how far you would go to gain attention and it's just it's crazy it's hilarious i mean if 420 was yesterday but it'd be great like you know (laughs) to to smoke and watch that movie is just amazing (laughs) you know what i mean i had asked you before because i i watched it two nights ago we were talking um and i thought oh because i kept thinking about takashi 69 so t- talk about how you said how you're getting some people saying resemblance like well, that. It, in the it was the minute everybody saw the trailer, they thought it was a Takashi Six Nine spoof, which it wasn't. The funny thing was, when I started writing this, it wasn't Takashi Six Nine even around, or or that I I mean he was around, but I don't I didn't know of him. And the idea for this film came in 2017. I started writing in 2018, and as I was writing it, we started actually we started shooting in 2018. We shot in 2018 through 19. Um, and because it was a mockumentary and because we added actually real people, there's real like uh, Corey Rooney, who's a multi Grammy. I mean, he's got over 150 platinum records at his house. Um, huge record producer dealt with Tommy Mottola. His his credit list is he's super, super producer. And he was a friend of mine. He was just a fan of Wise Guys. And I was like, yo, would you do this? Would you would you play? He's like, yeah, I'd love to talk about this. And especially when I told him the concept of the movie. So we were getting real musicians real youtube youtubers commenting about the stuff like you know that's what these guys do like the flights of the world and the b loose they comment on videos and we i got them to comment all about you you little tito's life and stuff like that so as it was going people were kind of putting that comparison I, the movie's different but it's there's a lot of similarities in it um, you can't say that Takashi wasn't one of the character types, but it's a mesh between all of them. And it's really, the character really comes even further. There's a little 50 in it. Um, <laughs> there's a little 50 in it from his trolling errors because he's like the king troll and the beginning of the troll. But uh, yeah, there's all the spoofs and stuff like that. But there's always that comparison, but it's it's just crazy. And mm-hmm. then to see how that whole story played out while we were shooting and we weren't posting our movie was incredibly insane to say. Like, you know, even some of my friends were like, yo, did you, did you fuck? 
fucking predict this? I was like, nah, nah. I was like, this is just a really weird coincidence. That's what I thought too. I'm like, because I was doing the timeline. I'm like, when he was writing, I'm like, it's like he had this crystal ball, you know, that this all was going to happen. No, it's crazy. But I mean, it's not, it's, you know, there's a lot of similarities, but there's definitely a difference in our little Tito story. But Mm -hmm. yeah, little Tito, it's just crazy. It's just hilarious. It's, It's fun. It's a great. I'm really happy with the message that we're telling in the movie. Um, so, you know, I, I feel like everybody should check it out, especially if you're a hip hop fan, especially if you're a music fan. Oh, for sure. How much fun did you have playing Little Tito? Because oh, it's it such amazing. a great character. It yeah, was amazing. I loved him. Uh, you know what? Because the thing is, like in real life, I would hate a Little Tito. You know what I'm saying? I would, <laughs> I would hate him. But it's like it's interesting how many how people just love him. Like when I like it was crazy. We were shooting one day. We were shooting all the aerials. And I was out with the drone guys, and um, we were putting the Alexa up on this huge helicopter, and we were, we were running around the city with a pilot, and we were by the dams, and there was all these kids, and, and they are like, yo, what are you shooting, what are you shooting? And then one of the, the, the actual cinematographer of that set was showing them the trailer, and they're like, yo, little Tito this. Like, they were just <laughs> loving it. It was, and we got so many great, so it was super fun. It was it was an amazing character. It was um, it was easy for me in a sense because of the mind space, and you know it was great because I got to play a fantasy of you know I think I think you know we have these as actors or as artists we have these secret fantasies of playing another lifestyle, right? Like, mm-hmm. what if we did this with our lives? Where would our lives be? Who would we be this if we decided to be a painter? If I decided to be a musician? If I decided to be a race car driver? So you get to play these fantasies out. So this was my fantasy if I got to be a crazy YouTuber who turned rapper. So it was fun. You talk about how early on about how music is so important to you in a film. And I noticed this right away in this film that the music was so great. And then so is that you wrapping those pieces? And no, 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 no. So no, because the thing is like uh, what, ha- what ended up happening. I can't rap. So just just letting you guys know <laughs> I cannot rap as much as I would wish I could. That's just something I can't do. I know my I know my weaknesses. Uh, but nah, there was, you know, the thing with the, I had the concept for the music and, I, you know, like I, the, I had the ideas and it was all written in script. And I went to an actual rapper. I went to a friend of mine that I knew, uh, Jay Hustles, and I told him basically, look, these are the concepts of the songs. And we talked about the character, and he loved it. And he just went and recorded all this great music. He brought it back to me. We collaborated a little bit, but he he wrote and performed all of those. Yeah, they were great. Had me convinced. I'm like, I think it sounds like his voice. I was right. sold. <laughs> you could have no, lied he, to he me. He did an amazing <laughs> job. He he honed in the character and then played it out through the through the through the recording and the music and and he did an amazing job. Yeah, it really helped tell the story, like you say, and just matched. It just added added such an, another element to the film. I, I felt too. It was no, great. it was great. great. It was yeah, it was a great job. It was shout outs to Jay Hustles. He really killed it <laughs> on that one. And then uh, Ryan Gordon did the the score. Another kid named Ryan Gordon. So yeah, the music was fun because I, I got to like play with it a little bit with Jay Hustles on on those concepts and and the funniness of the of the music and the reality of those. And then also turn around and and work on the score and the cinematic parts. You know what I mean? So it was two. Mm-hmm. I got the best of both worlds in the, in that way. How hard was it for you? Because you wear so many hats with this film. You're acting in it. You're writing. You know, doing directing where you able to just take that hat off get sit into this next role whenever you have to you know um yeah, yeah because it well it depends like you know it depended on the day and what we were doing but um for the most part you know uh 
when it was written, it was written. We knew what we were shooting. It, I was kind of locked in. It wasn't much of like we we would find certain things and characters that we would change on on the fly, but nothing mainly. So the, once that hat is off, that hat is off. And then you know the directing. If you have a good team, I had a great DP, uh, Kevin Perry, who you know has been working with me for a long time. And he's doing great things, but like he, he, me and him talked about it. We we mapped out the movie, we mapped out the style, the look. Um, so before we shot, we already knew what zone we were gonna go. Whether this was gonna be a cinematic moment, was this a reality? Was this a social media moment? What what part of the phase of the, his career is he in right now? Is he is he on the rise? Is he how how bullheadish is he? How arrogant is he? How silly is he? So all those things were dialed in. So. And and plus he's a great cinematographer who knows lighting. So when we were there, it was just my job then was just the performance. And mm-hmm. once that that job came in, then everything else was easy. You know mm-hmm, what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, so the work was prepped. So to do all those hats, I think the only way to do them is have that work prepped, prepped, prepped. Mm-hmm. And then you can actually eventually take that hat off and then focus on the one step that's the day. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Were there any challenges that you ran into while you were making it? I think I think you can't make a film without running any challenges on any scope or level. But, yeah, you know, we ran into challenges all the time, and mainly time, uh, fighting light again sometimes. Uh, um, those were some of the bigger ones. But in all honesty, it was... Uh, um, I think the biggest challenge for me was dealing with all the makeup, dealing with all the hair extensions, because the hair was sewn in, the the makeup was very heavy. Uh, it was like two hours to get everything done, um, basically. So I think that was the hardest part for me. Um, that was the biggest challenge. But I mean, we didn't have anything ultra mega for this film because we were kind of, me and the team were kind of very dialed in on what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And because it was a mockumentary style, there's some kind of, there's some looseness to it. There's some, there's some, we can let it flow, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. we can chop this up how we want to. There's, you know, we can, come, we have the style of the film kind of let us, let us to, let us to some type of freedom that wasn't like, shit, if we don't make this day, then we don't make this day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it was... It didn't really lead into that. What what was the most challenging part of this film, though, was that it always needed more. So, like, for example, we were doing a movie about... It was like making two movies at the same time because we were making a, a documentary. We were making um, a narrative, and then we were making a reality show, which was all the social media. So it was like we had to make all those. So what we ended up discovering was just the amount of content, just like the Internet... This movie sucked content like crazy. Hmm. The amount of locations, the amount of actors, the amount of in and out, the amount of cars, the amount of people and girls. It's like we had to, and we still didn't have enough, I feel like, but we had to have all that so it could feel world. Like we had to really build, because in a movie, mm-hmm. well, mainly a documentary, right? You have, you source from all the clips and from the files and footage. So you have this person's lifestyle or lifetime or, or documented elements that you can pick them and edit together. We had to create all those elements. So that was probably the most challenging coming off the original set and then realizing, oh shit, we need more mm-hmm. music videos here. We need more this here. We need no clips here. We need more social media elements, more graphics. Um, mm-hmm. I think that was the biggest challenge. What about after it was all done, and then how about like the marketing and actually getting it out there for people to see? 
Well, we had a very interesting happen thing happen to us. We we were mixing at Juniper Sound. We were mixing on stages, and we were done February twenty second of twenty twenty, and we were ready to go out. Uh, we had a meeting on March third, and we were getting uh, members of the Wu Tang. We were talking to members of the Wu Tang about endorsing it. We were talking about to CAA to go out to CAA and help package it. And then something happened called Corona. You know what I mean? So that just was ruined just, everything. That didn't just it? <laughs> that just put everything on ice. So you know when Corona happened, we were just uh, you know like I said, we were ready in March to really start going out on it. And um, March 15, Corona happened, so everything was shut down. So from March to pretty much July. We didn't do nothing. There was nothing going on. And then what ended up happening was in July, we got invited to one film festival. And then we got invited to another film festival. And then we were looking at it. And I have a relationship because a couple of my films, actually all of my film films, have went to to New York HBO Latino Film Festival. You know what I'm saying? It was sponsored by HBO. And it's that's been a film festival going on for 20-something plus years and a lot of films have come out of it. I was like, you know what? Maybe we'll do that film festival. It'll be a good look. Things. And at that point, and it was the festival. The festival had reached out to us in August. So at that point, we're like, okay, the world's opening back up. It might be interesting. They were doing like a car driveway thing, and I was like, you know, it might be interesting. Some HBO picks a lot of their films, so it might be an HBO situation. Um, I know people at HBO that will be there, so it was a good look. So that was kind of our initial premiere. Um, we did well in that festival. We were the f- most viewed f- film fest- mm-hmm. film at the festival. And uh, from there, I think two weeks later, we just uh, we got all our offers from all the different distributors, and we weighed them out, see what was the best, the long term. I mean, that's that's a process within itself. And then we signed with Gravities, I think, uh, two weeks after that, mm. two to three weeks after that, something like that. And then, you know, and then we delivered the film in December and released it in March. Mm. Awesome. Looking back now, what are you most proud about about this film? All the actors. I think I think they did a really good job. I mean, they, they did a good job. I'm, I'm proud of the the uh, the uh, the amount of work that everybody put in because it, it, it was a lot of work, a lot of graphics, a lot of animation, a lot of, you know, a lot of moving parts. So I think that it all came together. What I what I feel is relatively nice. I'm proud of all that and I'm proud of all the mm-hmm. people who worked on it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, congratulations on getting it done. It was so good. So enjoyable. Thank you so <laughs> much. I appreciate it. Yeah, you were awesome. And it was, it was great. Let's switch gears a little bit um, and now talk to people out there who, you know, want to be doing what you're doing and want to be filmmakers or want to be making content for social media, various things. And let's talk about maybe giving them some tips and a way we can help them out. So first of all, what are some tools that you think people just trying to get into this need? I think it's education, to be honest, which is as stupid as it sounds or not. I mean, some people, I think if you knowing what you want to do or trying to discover what you want to do, because like I said, I thought I wanted to do music and I discovered that I love making film and I'm way better at it. It's a better fit for me. It's just me. You know what I mean? There's certain things that are just you and you know when you get into that space and there's no way about knowing. So even if you're not sure, you should try things out. Like I said, there's... There's so many tools now, you know, I mean, 
you can take your iPhone or whatever if you're an Android user, um, which I don't know why you would be, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but no, you could you could you could take your phone and you know now and start creating content, and and you can learn. There's so many apps. There's there's Visco. There's also you know. Uh, you know, you could you could do so much research. You could research what your you know what technical aspects that some of your favorite films had, and if you look at that, if you want to be a director, then you could look at lenses. And, and like I said, there's apps. We were we were on set and we were using an app. We didn't have a viewfinder, and we're we're in a movie. We have a hundred and seventy five thousand dollar camera in front of us with lenses tricked out and everything, but we didn't have a viewfinder. We're like, yo, what would what would a thirty five lens look on this? And, you know, the the AC looks on his iPhone. And he says, this is what it would look like on a 35 because he had an app with those lenses. So, you know, and it was like a $7 app. So in mm-hmm. there's the tools out there that you can self-educate now. YouTube is a great place to start. But I'm also just like, you know, look at the stuff that I feel like you like and then look at that and then find out how they did it. Find out their, their technical ass. All that information is out there. So mm-hmm. if you want to do something, there's no excuse. So you can just find it. And then my biggest tool for everything is persistence. There's nothing like persistence because that's, that's the only lane that's the one common thread for everybody in success. You know what I'm saying? Everybody has their different lanes and different ways that they're going to go. But if you're persistent, something's going to pop off. And how do you push through when you're trying to be persistent, but, you know, you have those down times or those times you doubt or, you know, just keeping yourself motivated to move forward? I'm going to keep it quick, but I'll tell you what happened to me. And I think this is one of the most important things, like, right, you have to. um, And this is one of the things that was I was signed. I got signed very early. Like I was slated to do three films, three big films before I was even 29. Um, I had signed to Paradigm. I had um, I had a, a big writer with I had a film with Oscar Oscar Torres who at that time was had just won the tour uh, the Crystal Bear, so if anybody knows anything in the film festival thing that's a big deal. We were we were doing a film together. I had a film that was supposed to be with Barry Pepper and Terrence Howard back then when they called Neighborhood Watch with a big writer too. So I had all these things happening. And it happened instantly for me. And it was like, wow, I'm making money. I'm doing this. Life is great. I'm not even 28. And it all fell apart. And I was crushed. And then that constantly trying to come up, trying to trying to redo everything was heart crushing. Because every time I would work on a deal, I was on working on a film called Irishman. We were a million dollars into production. We were building sets when the whole plug got pulled. And this is not, you know, this is not something that doesn't happen. Films get pulled from you all the time. And it was like, you can't get out of bed. And what I ended up happening was the best thing for me was the social media aspect because I learned from that that I can get my creative my creative satisfaction there. So I could do something. I can do it. I can control it. And I could put it out. Now, I can't control how many views, but I can mark it. I can push it whatever it is but somebody's going to see it and put it out there and i was starting to get this creative satisfaction out of that Mm -hmm. and there was no more you could tell me i lost a film and i'd be like okay it didn't affect me anymore and what ends up happening is you when we put the pressure is i remove the expectations and even with this with this film that i have out now like you know we started charting our first week out you know and i'm like okay okay 
in your mind, you're like, yo, can you go number one on rentals? Like, you know what I mean? You, you have these thoughts and then you build up these anticipations or these expectations. We're starting to do a whole different, you know, rollout where we're doing all these influencer type ads and stuff like that. And it's like somebody had to put in perspective, you're building, building a catalog. This is just like an album. It's never going to die if you don't let it die. So your work can always be there. Your work is cherished. There's, there's works on artists that we look from 10 years and 15 years. So the moral of the story is do something good. So when you're frustrated, when you're out there, we are in a day and age, there's elements you can control. And, I, I you know, my girlfriend says the same thing because she, her social media numbers fluctuate. I have friends that are very big in the social media world and they get frustrated when one video doesn't hit so many amount of views. I was like, did you like the video? Did you give it or did you just do it for the views? So when I think that's the hardest thing that we all have to learn as challenges, just like this, like you probably deal with the podcast, making sure your numbers are your numbers going up every week. What, what is it? Is your viewership staying strong? Are you keeping this? So it, it, it gets a little mind fucking and yeah. it's it's a little stressful, but it's like, do you love it? And then it's like you the only again game winner is like, you know how hard you work, but sometimes it's, it's the persistence and sometimes it's you know, taking a breath. I'm working on right now another movie, marketing a movie work and writing a TV show. I know I can't work in more than threes and sometimes I have to take a breath. You know what I mean? Yeah. I have to just be like, all right, I'm not doing anything today. So it is, it gets frustrating, but I, I think if you're persistent, I think if you learn, you educate yourself and you take your time and, and you figure out things like my necessities, like I need to eat. Well, if you need to eat and you know that art's not paying the bills right now then you have to figure out your time and and that's one of the things i had to do at one point in time when i wasn't you know i was like yo i have to figure out how to make money and hustle how to make money but at the same time when the art money when the movie money was dried up i had to figure out how to pay the bills but at the same time continue my career so it was like i, I figured out a way how to work how to break down my schedule so if i know i gotta work, hustle these amount of hours to work or do a business or whatever then the next amount of hours i'm gonna put off going out i'm gonna put off hanging out at the bar i'm gonna put off all this bullshit and work on my stuff mm -hmm. and then maybe you know one of the, the i think one of the models that i had was i'll go out twice a month and really go out with the team and go hard <laughs> and that was enough to keep me back on my track mm -hmm. and and stay focused you know what I mean because mm -hmm. I, I still think you need to go out and have a great time but you know at the end of the day there's people that just go out every day yeah and, that time management having that release and enjoying life but then also buckling down when you need to need to focus yeah and, and it takes a lot of focus to yeah. do what we do you know what I mean what also about um, creating opportunities versus sitting around and waiting for opportunities one thing I really admire about you is not only do you work on other people's projects but you're also you know you're writing you're acting you're doing whatever it takes to get things done and made well, it's like this film, like we, we got this film right now that was a great opportunity. We had to put it together in, in three weeks, three to four weeks. We had to put it together in December. We were shooting in January. And, you know, going out on a film, especially during COVID, I had to play a bunch of hats. Not only direct writer, I had to, we had to make sure a truck worth of gear, you know, $250,000 gear, because we couldn't get the deal we had here. We couldn't get that in New York. So we had to make sure a truck went all the way back east with nothing harmed and then make it back so it's like you just it how much you want it i feel like that's the thing like how much do you want it like what are you willing to do i don't feel mm -hmm. 
I don't feel you ever put yourself in a situation where you degrade yourself, but I feel like some people think hard work is degrading. It was nothing fun about watching a van travel down, you know, and I, I went with it, you know what I mean? I went with it. And there was, I always said I wanted to drive across country to get an experience, not this way. This was, <laughs> this was not the way to do it. But, you know, it was just like I've dealt with a lot of interesting people and, you know, you just have to, like, start looking at what the opportunities are. And I think some people, we all want that sexy glamour, you know, we show up on set, our smoothies made, you know what I'm saying? We're on a multi-million dollar movie. We got the, the trailer. But, you know, shit just doesn't start out like that sometimes. And mm-hmm. if, if it does, it's great. If it doesn't, you got to build it up to that. Mm-hmm. Any other words of advice or wisdom? folks out there my, my only my only is just do what you love do it do it your way but at the same time understand that if you really want to be successful it's still a business how do you make money out of it i feel like you know i deal with a lot of friends who make films and they do films for themselves and it's like i feel like don't lose the fact that the main point of everything is we need to make films like the films you love entertained you they they love you loved being entertained they they grasp you so focus on the art and be persistent if you believe in yourself mm-hmm. awesome so when you're not filmmaking <laughs> switching gears for our final questions here what things do you like to do are you a sports guy are you an adventure person i want to be a adventure guy um i have the time i mean i love cars uh one of the things i do want to do my one of my fantasies and i think i'm going to as soon as I get a little bit of time, I, I, I want to start learning how to race cars. Nice. I want to be a race car driver. Nice. That's That's, that's kind of one of my fantasies right mm-hmm. there. And I, I, I'm i going to make that happen, reality. We did have a girl on the show I think can help you out oh with my that. God. She's amazing. I would love <laughs> um, to meet her. What are your uh, favorite kind of cars? Oh, man. I love, uh, well, I love high end. I mean, my favorite kind of cars are German, to be honest. I just copped uh, uh, E63. Uh, sedan i have an m4 i have uh we're looking at we just we're i just um trying to think about right now i mean porsche 911 is the new 929 is my favorite car um i love the lambo truck we had that for two weeks it was amazing so i mean i just i'm a car lover so there's a lot that i love but i mean the germans got me got my heart for the most part yeah they know what they're doing don't they they? they those cars they do (laughs) all right well where can people like what can they see you in next what are you working on or what's coming up for you um, I'm working on a movie called Censor the Daylight that we're in post-production with, and hopefully I think that will be out by January of next year. Um, uh, you can always catch me at at my Instagram, which I'm getting better at, getting better at uh, kind of posting stuff. Um, it's at Gio Santini, and uh, I'll have updates for there. And then, like I said, you know, if you want to check out the movie, it's everywhere. It's on Amazon. It's on Apple. Um, it's called After the Rain, Rain, R-E-I-G-N, like the rain of the internet. Um, and, uh, yeah, you could just check out my work and, uh, hit me up. I'm, I'm always trying to put things out there and, you know, bond and, 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 uh, collaborate with people and I love hearing stories. Everybody go check out the movie tonight. It's so entertaining. You're going to just love it. Um, but I thank you so much, Gio, for taking the time, uh, coming in here, talking to you. You had great just words of wisdom, and it's so fun to hear your story and your journey. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for bringing me. It was, it was fun to be here, and actually being in the studio is great, too. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. It was, it's think- very comfortable. It's. <laughs> I think it was a better, yeah, It was. it's a day for definitely a great experience. And, um, you know, 
thank you for having me. That's basically yeah. it. Yeah, I was so happy when you said you were willing to come in yeah. too, because I, I like them in person too. I was like, yes. <laughs> well, we're far apart. We're being safe, yeah. so it's all good. We masks on. We could, we were covered. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you guys so much for listening. Another week, you can follow us at TomGirl.tv on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and check out the new website. We just revamped it, so you can catch this interview and all the past interviews all up there. All the YouTube shows are all there for you now in one spot. So thanks so much, and we'll see you again next week. Bye-bye. Time girl.